Welcome to a brand new Five Heart Podcast Live. I'm Greg Mahochko. Joining me as always, he's the founder and fearless leader of Coronation.com, John Dam Johnston. Hello, John. Hi. Hi, Hi. Greg. Hi. Hi. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm great. It's a wonderful oh. day. Why don't you tell the good people uh, watching and listening at home the kind of candies that you're enjoying tonight? <laughs> Tell, I am enjoying us. Billy Goats, a microdosing THC candy that is legal here in the state of Minnesota because they help with my headaches. Do they though? Yeah, they. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's okay. just it's this it's such a tiny amount of THC that you know. Do I look stoned, <laughs> dude? No, but I know you've been complaining about uh, uh, headache all all week long. So it's been pretty nasty this week. It's been a great week. It's a great okay. week to be alive. Sure. Uh, we are, are honored uh, to be joined by our coordination volleyball writer extraordinaire, Beth Merrigan. Beth, uh, sure do wish we were uh, having you on under better terms, but uh, the Nebraska volleyball season came to an end today with that sweet, sweet 10 o'clock tip-off. Um, that, that, we're just going to get right into it. Uh, that's right, folks. We're going to be talking volleyball. We're going to be talking basketball, and at some point, yes, a little football. Hang tight. Stay with us. It's all coming down uh, on the 5 Heart Podcast this week. But, Beth, first of all, welcome to the show, I believe, in your live debut. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done this live before, and, yeah, we should have done it sooner in the volleyball season, but now it's over, and so we will talk about what happened. And, <clears throat> yeah. I, I actually uh, watched it from my office this morning. A uh, friend of the show, Josh, uh, said, are you watching slash listening? I said, I, I've been driving, so no. Uh, so he sent me the link to listen to the Husker uh, radio broadcast, and then I found it on Hulu, so I was watching it there. Uh, and watched from in and out, most of it, though, from uh, you know the end of the first set. It wasn't the cleanest match of volleyball I've ever seen Nebraska play. Yeah, the one set that was clean was the first set, and Nebraska looked excellent. They were prepared. They were ready to go. They won the set with really no problem. Everybody was firing on all cylinders. Everybody was attacking. The ball was being um, distributed to every single hitter, even the middles, which has been something that we did not do very well throughout the season. Caitlin Horde had three or four kills in that first set. So we looked really good in the first set. And if you um, started watching then, then you thought, oh, Nebraska's got this. But then um, set two and three and definitely four, um, and then we're not even going to maybe talk about five. That one hurts. Um, so we looked different after set one, um, and mainly because passing. Um, Oregon changed some things in set two, um, but the things that we could control was our passing was not as good in set two, so that became a much more back and forth, point for point sort of set, um, which ultimately Oregon took set two. Wait a what? minute, wait a minute. You know, I watched, I watched, I think the first three sets. And when I left it, we were up to a one. I had to go to the neurologist. You know, if you move those appointments, you don't get another one for six months. But I thought, okay, I texted my wife. 
We're up two to one. It's been really close. The whole man, all the sets were like one, two points apiece. You know what I mean? Nobody got a really big lead in anything. And uh, what the hell? What the hell happened? I, I said, I said we look good. We should win. And the we next text I get is we lost. That's yeah, what we I got from her. Good. So it felt like set two just snuck away, right? So if you watched set one, we were in full control. All of our hitters were hitting well, and and Oregon really couldn't do anything. Um, it looked like set two just snuck away. We lost 24 to 26. We had a couple errors and um, pivotal moments. We come back and we won set three. We're back in control. Um, in set four, again, it was back and forth the whole time. Very close score. And then, you know, the part I really just can't let go is very, um, towards the end, we ran out of subs. You only get so many subs in volleyball. We sub a lot because we run the 6-2. We've got a sub in a new setter. We've got a sub in another right side. We run out of substitutes. And Coach Cook said he made a conscious decision to leave um, Ani Evans in to set, which means eventually she comes to the front row. She's 5'9", and she's never played the front row this season. But what he bet on was that Maisie Bozinger would come in and serve for Becca Alec, one of our middles, and that with her three rotations in the back row, we would win the set during that time and that she would never get to the front row. Well, she got to the front row. And so now we have at 30 to 30, 30 to 31, something like that, we have Maisie Bozinger and Ani Evans, both under way under six foot in the front row. And that in those rotations is where we ended up losing set four. Oh, okay. And so that, that was a whole different thing. And set five was different. Obviously we had our subs all back. Um, and we just, we started very tight in set five. We were playing not to lose. We were setting the ball perfectly, which means it is not perfect, right? Cause you're trying way right. too hard you're tight and you're just going to do things, just, just play. And that's all, that's an easy thing to say. And it's a really hard thing to do. But um, in set five, we were very tight and we got down by a lot. And um, really only once we switched to the five one to get out of the rotation that we were stuck in, that Oregon was st scoring a bunch of points in, then we started playing a little looser and we just okay. like, what do we have to lose at this point? It was 14 to five 14 to four or something it was, was it scary. really in the fifth it was, set? It was bad. and so it's amazing that we you know kudos the girls kept playing they kept going after balls lindsey krause blocked a ton um but the three points previous to that she'd hit two balls out of bounds and it, it was it was playing perfect it was playing um i don't want to lose the set and um, obviously you have to flip that you have to play to win and you have to play loose and you have to play with confidence and um, the mindset piece there, which is hard to switch. You have to get to set five and play quick game to 15. And, and we did not come in to set five with the play to win attitude. What, what is it about Nebraska, all the sports programs where sometimes the, the coaching staff just fails to make adjustments you know, like it was 25-14 in that first set, I think, was the final. Maybe 25-16, something like that. But it was, it was well, you know, well in hand, no doubt, however you want to phrase it. And then it, something happens in that second, and the Oregon makes adjustments, and Nebraska didn't counter. 
and I know we, we talked, or you, you talked here just a few moments ago about the, the substitution issue in the fourth set, but I feel like a lot of that could have been prevented. Am I wrong? No, no, that, that's an interesting thing. Nebraska's strengths usually in, in most seasons are being able to adjust. And I think that is a critical skill, especially in the NCAA tournament. And so as you're coming to the end of the Big Ten season, assessing the team's ability to adjust during the match, and um, it, it tells you a lot about how they're going to do in the NCAA tournament. And I think it's odd that this specific Nebraska team has not been able to adjust very well. They win big or they lose big, I, I've assessed. Oh, that's, that's and, a good point. And that yeah. happened today. So um, we know Nebraska won the first set and they won, it really, they won it really well. In set two, Oregon moved their rotations, meaning each of their players started in different locations, right? They just kind of rotated around that six-person circle. And they also started a new right side. So their usual right side who had – most of the repetitions, that's who we probably prepared for, was a left-handed, six-foot-two right-side hitter. They subbed in a right-handed, six-foot-three something. So she was very different, right? She's going to hit the ball at a different contact point. She has different um, regular shots that she likes to hit, and she set or she played like thirty-one games, not not matches, games this whole season. Most of the other girls in that team played 127. So we were not expecting her. She ended up with 13 kills against us today. So this Lewis player was somebody that we never adjusted to. We never stopped her. And she was a role player, right? She just came in to stop the bleeding. Oregon was bleeding after set one. Lewis comes in to stop the bleeding. Just, we gotta change something. We gotta do something else. and. The Nebraska team did not adjust to her. I think the strength of this Nebraska team was being prepared, you know, going through the pre-match warm-ups and doing right. all of the drills for the players we know. But we saw time and time again when somebody threw something new at them that they were not expecting, that they were not prepared for, they had not watched film on, they did not have the strength and the ability to be able to adjust, for the most part, in the match. It, um going to that you know that substitution that that change that that Oregon made uh it when you talk about preparation uh, you mentioned you know you know contact points and, and timing but there's also I, I'm sure you know when you, when the, the team watches film or any team watches film they see kind of the the rhythm or routine of how uh, a hitter will approach the ball now there's somebody who as you mentioned 31 35 games that that there's significantly less film on that's something you have to either pick up on very quickly and shut it down or you know what we have happened today which is she she mowed us down yeah yeah i think you get half a set to you know watch her and adjust her get burned by her you know she hits past you once and maddie Kubik adjusts and she lines up on her differently the next time um and that and that did happen we had positive touches. The other player for Oregon who really was amazing was this freshman outside hitter named Mimi Collier. I mean, she had 71 swings on the ball today. 71 swings. Just swing your arm 71 times and see how it feels. You know, just try it. And she ended up killing the ball 
it went down on the court and nobody got it back up 26 times. So she was virtually, we blocked her a few times, but virtually unstoppable today. 26 and kills? 26, two six. Okay. That now, sounds, that sounds their distribution, unfair. like they don't spread their ball out very much. They have the three hitters, essentially. They have left two left sides and then a right side that killed the ball. And then their middles get a couple here and there. And in general, that is not the recommended solution to the problem. Like if the problem is win the game, the solution is distribute across five or in Nebraska's case, six hitters. And we, we did that relatively well. I mean, from the statistics, you don't, you don't ask Maybe you set the middles more. I think in late in the match, the setters needed to give the ball back to Horde more specifically. Maybe not as much to Alex. She had some errors, but our distribution was good. You get a you get a B on that grade today, setters. Um, but Oregon's grade was always going to be give the ball to the outside hitters, and Mimi Collier got it a ton, and she killed it a ton. Brian Bauer said, hard to see John Cook getting out coached. He must have had an off uh, morning, not enough caffeine. Let's talk about just the the way the tournament is structured and scheduled. Uh, 10 o'clock Central Time, it, it you know, Oregon is Pacific Time. That, that's 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, for them. What, why does the NCAA hate volleyball? Well, the good news is they hate it less than they did last year and the year before. So they think they're improving, and so they're giving themselves a pat on the back. Um, it still has to get better. Yeah, I, I, ES, and John Cook talked about this a lot. ESPN has multiple channels. I know they spread the games out, and I appreciate being able to watch them all, although I'm missing one right now because we're on here talking. But San Diego was <laughs> finishing up with um, their match, so they're probably going to advance forward and – so it'll probably be San Diego versus Stanford. But anyways, um, there just has to be a, it has to be it has to be better. There has to be more channels. Um, they did split it up last year where there's a Thursday, Saturday, this mat this day in between the two matches, which are huge matches. This is deciding who's going to the final four. Um, that's an improvement and it you know respect the players. like give these women a night off. They Nebraska's match was like two and a half hours. You don't think they need a rest day after that? And so giving them the rest day is, is good. Thank you. Um, continue to improve and continue to acknowledge that there's a fan base that cares and, and wants to see the highest quality games at the best times. And yes, 10 o'clock in the morning is not the time. I, I, I think ESPN really wants to sell those ESPN Plus subscriptions. They really want to sell them. Yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. Well, As I mentioned, I had it on uh, on my phone at the office, and I'm sitting there watching it. Uh, myself, a couple of colleagues are, are just standing around, and we're figuring out what to do for lunch. And I'm just like this, you know, for the benefit of the people who are just listening to this. I'm, you know, uh, uh, mimicking looking at my phone in an empty hand. And they're like, <laughs> uh, sports team? I said Nebraska volleyball. And, and I got a lot of weird looks for that. I was like, really? Volleyball? Yeah, it's kind of a big thing. I, I said, uh, you know, it's it's one of the few uh, financially self-sustaining women's college athletic programs in the country. You know, and you think of like UConn uh, basketball, uh, Tennessee women's basketball, you know, kind of at the Pat Summit I mean, uh, height. But 
there's something special about Nebraska volleyball. There's something special about the Nebraska fans. Um, and there's something great about the experience. I don't want to talk about John Cook uh, because it, it's a rare, I don't want to call it a miss. It, you know, things started to, to tail off there at the end in, in the last few weeks. But I, I think this is the first Elite Eight he's, you know, that Nebraska's missed in the last 11, 12 years, something like that. I mean, am I, am I, where, where am I at accuracy wise there, Beth? I don't do so well with all the streaks, but it's been a long time. This is this is a miss. You're right. This is this is a streak, and I don't I don't keep as track of those as I do of the the wins fair. and the losses. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, how would it have been different if Kenzie Knuckles was out there? Honestly. Yeah, you know, I think the um, her overall play is amazing, and the evidence of that is the other one of the other tri captains, Maddie Kubik. Her numbers since Maddie or since Kenzie Knuckles has been injured are vastly different than what they were before. And it's hard to wrap your head around that because they play very different positions. Maddie Kubik's an outside hitter, Kenzie Knuckles is a defensive specialist. The main thing they do together is they serve receive, and so. Maddie had to pass a ton more balls. You'd have to run the numbers, but they're not going to serve the ball. Opposing teams don't serve the ball to Lexi Rodriguez, right? Because that's just handing Nebraska a point. So you're going to serve the ball to someone other than Kenzie Knuckles. So now you're either serving to Maddie Kubik, so her service service repetitions went up, or sometimes Allie Batenhorst. So now she's playing back row and serve-receiving more. Um, Kenzie Knuckles was missed um, for her all-around carrying the load specifically on serve receive and now when you're getting later into the tournament and teams are blocking more her um, block coverage is key and block coverage gives you another chance hitters can swing freely and give whatever shot they want when they know they're covered i can hit as hard as i want wherever i want because someone is behind me and i get another shot our team gets another shot um so there's there's something playing there in the hitters' minds as they go up for their attack. Um, and then there's just less balls coming back up because Kenzie Knuckles dug balls off blocks coming back to us. And then she dug balls in general. She played middle back defense um, and she's right next to Lexi Rodriguez. So you have this you know, beacon of balls just coming back at you as the setter. They're going to come back up out of this corner. Think about if you're you know watching the Oregon match today, how many balls went to a deep corner that didn't come back up. A couple of them went deep, like on um, Nicklin Haynes, and they looked like they were going to go out, but they dropped. They had some top spin to them. Um, you know, Kenzie Knuckles pursues those balls, and she's fast enough that she gets to those balls. And so you can just count the points in how many more chances did we get because Knuckles keeps the ball in play for the hitters to swing freely again and know that she's also there covering them. So. I, you know, I think there's a, a vocal leadership and a, a physical presence, but, um, you know, she just, she produced opportunities for Nebraska that um, is hard to replicate with with players who are carrying other loads. Your two outside hitters, Baton, Horst, and Kubik, are, are carrying these other loads and taking a high number of swings and a high number of serve-receive reps, and now they're doing what Kenzie Knuckle was, was doing previously. Big loss. When we talk about losses... Um, from the personnel standpoint, what type of attrition is Nebraska going to face? Because there were some surprising names 
getting into the transfer portal last year. Who is in your mind, or or, or who's already said? You know, I think Kenzie said that her career is pretty well done with the injury, right? Um, yeah, so she was- had announced just prior to in, in her injury, she and Maddie Kubik are seniors as your true seniors, not the super senior with the COVID year thing. So they're seniors, but they had announced um, separately, but, you know, had talked to each other and coach that they would not return. And then Caitlin Horde is a super senior, so she has no eligibility as well as Nicklin Hames. So we know those four based on what they've said or their eligibility, can't come back. Um, Ani Evans is a senior, but she's not spoken up about her return. But everybody else um, is unspoken for and has eligibility remaining and is not active in the portal right now. Um, So, you know, that portal thing is like a gravitational force or whatever it is. It's a free electron in our world that is just wreaking havoc. But, um, it's one of those, uh, the grass is always greener, you know, on the other I, side. But, but yeah. I, think, I think we all uh, can attest that the grass is greener where you uh, fertilize and water it. So, uh, Brian, with a, another uh, good, I think, observation or, or at least question says, if Orr was able to take over as setter and Nicklin playing defensive specialist as intended, would uh, have that made a difference in how our season ended given Knuckles' injury? A little personnel and, and roster uh, question there. You know, the or question, there's so many what ifs. If she, if she had been able to um, run the offense this year, then most coaches, and I would be one of them, would tell you that the 5-1 system, five hitters, one setter, is the ideal system for volleyball. Six hitters and two setters. Six hitters is great. You have great blocks. You have great hitters. Um, but a 5-1 is a, you know, the most traditional offense. Translate that to some football analogy for me. That is the way that the game is played cleanly and um, the best. Nebraska did it well, and so did a lot of other teams with a 6-2 this year. If Orr had been able to do that from the beginning, then yes, we would have had more options defensively come this injury and this time of year. Um, you know, you can back that up and get to the nasty topic of Akana. If Akana had still been here and we'd had a different defensive oh. specialist back, I'm sorry. I you forgot about that. Let's go away from that. Okay, what let's. The hell. Walk. All right, we're even madder now. Sorry. Breaking my heart again. Um. Yes, that would have given us more options. Hames is a great defensive player. Question mark if she would have ever been a great serve-receive passer. We never got to find out if that skill developed for her. And that's a that's a big skill that you need a defensive player to be able to do. Kenzie Knuckles could do it. Akana could do it. Rodriguez can do it. We didn't know if Hames could ever do it. But, um, yeah, if, if Orr could have run this system and not – you know, she had a lot of ball-handling errors – throughout the year and um, miss sets. You could just see the ball was in a bad spot and that caused the offense to not run. I can't hit my best shot because I don't have the ball in the location I need it. So, um, but a player like Orr with her physical ability and her potential, right? She has this unlimited potential, but the actual ability right now is, is not where it needs to be. And I just hope I hope in the off season that 
there's that work, you know, that, that she and the coaching staff have that plan and that work to, to get her there. Um, I have high hopes. Another quick one from Brian, and then uh, we want to double back to what Matt said. Uh, yeah, we, we just uh, uh, relived the broken heart. Brian saying that Akani leaving turned out to be huge. And Where did Matt she go? Said, don't, no, don't go there. We're, it was Texas. Gonna, uh, oh, yeah. Are they still in it? Yeah. Yeah, Texas is the number one seed, and they, they just beat um, Marquette tonight in four. So they're they're in the next round on Saturday. And I know we already touched on this, but since it's uh, we're talking volleyball and we're getting some volleyball comments, figure we'd at least uh, highlight them. Matt says uh, it hurt that they couldn't substitute at the end of the fourth set. Uh, and, again, it's just because they're limited on substitutions and, and they, they ran out uh, at that point. And, you know, we talked about the rotation. Um, we mentioned, uh, I'm not going to call them the evil empire. We'll just call them evil uh, uh, with the horns that, that are long. Um, but... Who do you, now that Nebraska's not in it and you get to, to watch without any bias, um, maybe maybe that's not entirely true, but, but you get to watch the rest of the tournament, who do you think will win? Who do you want to win? Now, we know you don't want Wisconsin to win. we got to double back to that. Um, we, don't, we don't need to shout that to the rooftops. <laughs> I have preferences. We, we could. We could. We, we should. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so Ohio State had an upset today. Ohio State, Minnesota played. Ohio State was the three. Minnesota was the two. And Ohio State won it in four. So they faced oh. Texas, the number one overall seed on Saturday. I like Ohio State. Um, I, I got to go to Devaney with my oldest daughter. And we watched Ohio State in person. The first matchup between Nebraska and Ohio State and my eardrums were ringing for days and it was just Nebraska won that match and it was, it was amazing. So, um, but I like Ohio state. I like um, Jen Flynn, Flynn Oldenburg is their head coach. They just, they just play, you know, they play and the weight of the world is not on their shoulders. Um, so I like Ohio state. Um, I'm cheering for them. San Diego is a, um, you know, underdog, they, they feel like they should have been a number one seed, but they're uh, outside the bigs conference team. And so they got a number two seed and they're um, probably going to match up with um, Stanford if Stanford beats Houston in the late night match tonight. So, you know, they're a long shot to beat Stanford. They're Stanford's back in their form and they've got some really talented players. So, um, you know, Stanford could win, but that's that's a little boring. Stanford wins volleyball yeah. a lot. Um, Wisconsin beat Penn State in five tonight, which was surprising that it went five, but Penn State really pushed them. Um, and so Wisconsin's the one seed in their corner, and, and Penn State was the four. So Wisconsin will play Pitt on Saturday. I think Wisconsin's going to win. They just find a way to do that and they win. And, you know, they do it emphatically, but I don't think they do it with a ton of like, I, I don't feel the love. If I'm to explain my trouble with, I don't feel the love in Wisconsin. They, they play and they win, but it feels like a, a manufacturing of the win. Like they're robot women. They're they're athletes, and I respect them, but I don't end up cheering. But they're them. robots. That those are your words. <laughs> Phil Phil's bowling for anyone but Wisconsin or Texas. Um, okay, he's with me. Phil's with me. What, I, what I, about? 
And then what? that last corner is Louisville yeah. and Oregon, the, the team that so I like Louisville a lot. Everybody knows, or hopefully you remember, Danny Busboom Kelly, a former player and coach for Nebraska, is their head coach, and she's been phenomenal there. Um, so no woman coach has ever won a title in women's volleyball. I did not know this. Your minds are blown, and yeah. they should be. Um, so that would be great. San Diego's head coach is a woman, or um, Ohio State's head coach is a woman. And that's it for the teams that are remaining. All the other head coaches are men, which are great. Men can be great head coaches too. But it is ridiculous that a woman has never been the head coach of a woman's team to win the title. Yeah, Greg. Everybody's <laughs> nodding their head. <laughs> you throw me under the bus for I just want to talk more about I didn't know anything about this. I never thought of it, honestly. So yeah, I think about how Beth hates Wisconsin, but uh, I she, think that she, everybody I, who's watching this, everybody who will watch this, uh, who is a Husker fan, I'll I'll give you that. Other people come in here, Michigan fans, everybody else, uh, you know, will be cheering for Danny Busboom because because she was wonderful when she was at Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Brian with a good comment here about Wisconsin. He says Wisconsin reminds me of a Soviet bloc steroid era women's athletic team they are just beasts uh, and and i'm i'm going to paraphrase uh, uh what beth said before we we rolled uh, so i'm i'm putting her off taking her off the hook uh no joy there's no joy in, in the madison uh, uh volleyball locker room maybe they give a maybe they get a bigger apartment if they win maybe, maybe. But Louisville, Louisville is fun to talk about. They are exciting. They are generally smaller in height, but they play spunky. And they have some players that just lights out. They are, they come to play. They're, they're business, right? They're not la, la, la out in the court. But they come to play and being undersized. I like watching Louisville, too. I like Bus Boom Kelly, and I cheer for her because of that Nebraska connection. Um, but I also like her team and I like the way they play. Um, so, and they came close last year too. You know, they've been, they're not a surprise to be here. They're a number one seed and nobody argues that. Fred from uh, watching on YouTube, uh, putting Wisconsin in the Ivan Drago role. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> so we're oh, all on. Wow. Board that's our, what that our, is. Dis okay. Wisconsin. Um, and we thank you, Fred, uh, for that, and, and everybody for joining us on, on the on the vlog. Beth, it wait, was great wait, having we're, you. What? We're not. I got. I I didn't get to ask my questions. Bye. I just wanted. I just want to know what the trajectory you see is. I mean, this year, you know, th there were some tweets I read about BTN had taken a chance on volleyball and it paid off because of the rising audience. And, you know, it, it seems like this is the sport just exploding in popularity or is it just the same stuff we're hearing? You know, like last year they could have said the same thing and it might be true. What do you think? I mean, well, I think that those some of those comments came from a Wall Street Journal article. I was reading that yeah. and um, the BTN had yeah, run some statistics and put more, you know, put almost every game. So I think your your question has 
because they're talking about it, isn't it true? You know, media is going to spin media and it's going to, I mean, we're talking about it now and they're mm -hmm. talking about it and they're talking about it. So yeah, let's talk about it. Let's keep talking about it. You know, coaches were mad last year after the women's basketball and the women's basketball stuff spun over to the women's volleyball. And let's just keep talking about it. We are talking about it because we want to watch more of it. You had it on your phone today at 10 o'clock in the morning because you wanted to watch it. And so um, part of it might just be hype and talk, but because we're talking about it, doesn't it lead to caring about it or more people caring about it? I sure like to watch volleyball, but that's been true for 20 years. So right. I will teach anybody and talk to anybody about volleyball. I will sit next to you at a community college game, a high school game, at a Nebraska game, and I will talk to you about volleyball and I will share my love of volleyball with you. And I think that's contagious. And I think that it's an easy thing to catch too, because volleyball is exciting. It has phenomenal athletes. It has a variety of athletes. Nobody's well, some people are getting injured, but they're not the same level of injury as some other sports. Um, the contact is very limited. Too soon, Beth. Too soon. Concussions are happening in volleyball, but they're not the same level. Um, so I, I think volleyball is an excellent sport. It's um, because we're talking about it. I think it's gaining popularity. And I think, I those, think, it's, I think it's those just I think it just has a different level of sportsmanship in volleyball. And I, I, I think we there was a little bit on the news last night, I think, about oh, some player, former Nebraska players playing for another team, women's basketball, got her hair pulled from behind and went after the other girl. I mean, that's, that's kind of a thing that doesn't belong in a lot of sports when people go after each other physically. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to say in volleyball, the sportsmanship level is extremely high. There's a lot of respect among players. You don't see, you know, maybe not, well, you don't see any snark hardly at all, which is okay. You know, that's good. Where the hell am I going with this? I, don't I think guess I'm going to, I'm going to go back to that thing I told you guys before the show. You know, when I, when I was shooting at Maturi Pavilion, did the NCAA tournament in Minnesota and Oregon knocked off Minnesota and I sat and listened to the Oregon coach for a while and he didn't talk about great, you know, Oregon were the greatest. He talked about what a what a uh, experience or what a privilege it was to coach against Hugh McCutcheon and John Cook, two great coaches, you know. And I I just that stuck out to me. And then like, one who got hurt this year that the girls all gathered together and prayed after the game it was a Northwestern girl. Yeah, that was a Northwestern setter. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the thing about volleyball in any sport is let your game speak, right? Like you play and you win and you beat them. And I don't need to pull your hair if I'm beating you and I don't need to, but you know, you're right. Volleyball, the biggest smack talk, like a stare down or there is, you don't trash talk because I'm just going to beat you or I'm just going to win the game. And so that, that should speak for itself. And that's, that's, I think the most poignant statement anyways. I've uh, got this comment up here from Owen. He says uh, Sam McCune, uh, McCune was saying they should put in a stump rule where is, uh, if a team reaches 21 points and the other team is down by six, they should end the match. He said it would be good for the sport. Beth, when we talk about rule changes. 
I, I don't I, I don't think you're probably in favor of something like that. I mean, it, it only it's only good for the sport if it benefits your team, right? Again, if you're down by six, I mean, what was Nebraska down by in the fifth game tonight? It was like to this morning. What the hell? Or it? Is that so, a real comment? I just figured that out. I thought he meant 21 to six. If it's He's 21 down, to six. Down by six? Come on. That's the stupidest fucking comment ever. <laughs> it's really a dipshitted comment. It is. Because I mean, one of the reasons we watch for sports are the most amazing comebacks ever. You know what I mean? You're down by six. You can't win. You know what that is? That's a comment by a guy who watches sports and had never played him and been competitive in his life. I like Sam. He's a nice guy, but holy shit. I, did, I just was looking at that for a while when you said down by six. I went, what? I thought it meant 21 to six. See how bad I'm, my reading skills are terrible too. But it's, Yeah, it's runs, in, runs in volleyball happen. And so, I, you know, six would be too close. I, I wouldn't agree with that. Yeah, six is too close. The run for I mean, Nebraska today was, was something like that, six. But, um, yeah, I mean, if it matches 21 to six, yeah, I can – the probabilities, right? Like, let's run some statistics. The probability of winning that match, or when you get to 24 to 10, the probability of winning that match is this, you know, this much. So there's something there, but it, yeah, six is too close. And, and that is the point when a team buckles down and you start sweating because they're coming back. Hmm. You read that Owen followed up saying that uh, Sam's, uh, he was saying that because the match went, or a match went over three hours, and he, he guesses he, Sam doesn't like volleyball. So, again, they, these are not Owen's you know, words. We're not picking on Owen. We're picking right. on Sam. Uh, but we do love him because we actually You know, the, the, probably one of the greatest, I mentioned this before, one of the greatest sporting events I've been to is the 41 to 31, 41 to 39 set that uh, Oregon beat Wisconsin or beat Minnesota with and that had to be the it was the most amazing thing ever because both teams you know you have to win by two and by the end of the night I was at Maturi Pavilion by the end of the night everyone in that entire entire arena was completely exhausted they were physically and emotionally exhausted I'm not just talking the players the whole you could tell the fans were exhausted because of the emotion the up and down you know they were Minnesota fans and they ended up losing and it just took it just sucked all the life out of the building it was amazing and I think when you can get a sport where it's like that I mean I I don't get the good for the sport thing because quite frankly it those are the moments people live for in sports. I said it before. The impossible, the things that are crazy. Oh, my God, this comeback. We talk about for years later, we talk about some baseball game in college that went 25 innings and, the, you know, the water boys had to start pitching. People remember that stuff forever. So I, I just, I don't know. Shocking. I was exhausted yeah. after the fourth set today. 32 to 30, I was exhausted, yeah. you know. And then... You take that into the fifth set, and um, then Nebraska starts making you believe again when it's eleven to fifth or eleven to fourteen. At that point, we ended up losing eleven to fifteen. But you know, we went on that run, and you started to believe when they got to ten and eleven. And Krause's just stone faced, right? She blocks a ball, and she's just like, "Let's do this, let's go." You know, she's 
she's not celebrating. There's nothing to celebrate. We've just gotten one more point. We have more work. So yes, those those comebacks and the the marathons are exhausting, but also why you watch and what gives you adrenaline as a fan, not only as a player. Vince sums it up pretty nicely. Sam needs to hit the transfer portal. So. <laughs> um, Beth, we, John, do you have any more questions? Oh, well, I, I'm trying to think of some. But I probably do. You know what? We should have her on more often. We should. We should we have designated. Join us. Beth. We should be planning far enough ahead that we have like designated volleyball night, so that people want to hear about Beth's volleyball. Beth, tell everybody your experience in volleyball. I played volleyball. <laughs> for I played volleyball for Army West Point. So. And then I played while I was in the Army some of the time when they would let me when I wasn't doing other Army things. And then I came back and I coached at Army as well in my free time. And um, now I write articles for Coronation. So we have a person who does our volleyball stuff who has both played the game at a high level and coached it. And I would, you know... Lauren Cook might be the other person in all of Nebraska media you could say that about. You know, I know BTN and Big, you know, Big Ten Network. They have, they have volleyball players and stuff on there. But I, come on, give yourself some a lot of credit. We should have yeah. a volleyball night. Well, and I love you know I, I love the sport of volleyball. I love sports in general, but I love the sport of volleyball. It has a lot of the dynamics of team and um, that I love. So yeah, I I loved playing volleyball and. I loved coaching volleyball, and um, I, you know, I like writing about it. It's, but I'd rather be playing, if I'm really honest with you. Brian has a question uh, for you, Beth. Uh, uh, do you think Coach Cook rides or dies with Orr or Bergen Riley at Setter next year, or if he brings in a Setter through the portal? You know, he's really railed against the portal, especially in the last couple of days. Um, Terry Pettit has also been um, very vocal on Twitter against and what, you know, not against the portal, but just qualifying that this isn't the ultimate solution to everyone's problems. The portal can't solve your problem and your problem and your problem. So I would be surprised if Coach Cook um, brings in a setter. But he accepted a transfer portal this year. Um, Caitlin Horde came to us through the portal, and she was a great contributor, both physically and, um, you know, leadership-wise for the team, based on the players' comments. Um, I, my gut is that he puts Orr in the gym with him this summer, you know, whatever the instantly allows, and they just put in the work. Her ability to get her feet to the ball and to um, – pass over from very athletic and capable setter to um, athletic and um, division one top level setter. There, there's a transition there. She has the ability to do it, but she hasn't done it yet. I think he's going to put in the time with her this summer and this fall, whatever this off season and, and, and go with, or because she has the experience of the couple years in the program but I don't, I don't know Bergen Riley very well. It's hard to watch those high school players. Dion says the next year or two are rebuilds in volleyball. 
more speculation, I think, than says. Uh, no setter and too many new faces. Any thoughts on that? I think the only place that there's a new face is the setting position. We've got, um, you know, returning Allie Batenhorst, Lindsey Krause, Whitney Lowenstein. Those are pivotal and, and very important players, and they've, they've got more growth in front of them. Becca Alex returning in the middle. Lexi Rodriguez is in the back row. So I think we have some, you know, five starters there. The setting position is very big, and so there's a huge question mark there. Um, I think we have some players that can move into the middle. So I don't think it's a rebuilding year. I think answering the setter question is very important because if we're honest, it really never got answered this year. Nicklin Hames played and continued to do what she did for the last four years before this one. But yes, the setter question has to be answered because Nicklin Hames can't play next year. Uh, by the way, while we're talking about having you on uh, again, uh down the road uh Deion said you know for, for volleyball night Deion says bowling wrestling baseball night too uh so John they they want uh us to diversify our portfolio basically well we have guys to talk about well we don't have bowling unfortunately no. but we do have guys that know wrestling and baseball extremely well so you know maybe we will going forward we should just designate you know we're going to have this sport cover that a little heavier. Um, when we got back to talking about uh, your resume, Beth, and, and uh, your quick answer about it, uh, that uh, got Fred, he, he, he thought that was a great answer. Uh, just you're like, I played volleyball. Yep. Uh, we love that. Uh, also, Matt said uh, you're a great guest, and, and thanks for being on. And, and Brian echoed uh, all of those uh, thoughts. A lot of positivity in the comments. Great having you on the show, Beth. Uh, thanks, thanks, thanks to us for our idea, John. You're welcome, Brian. You're welcome. Uh, and somewhere in there, Josh uh, said thank you for your service, Beth. I didn't highlight this one. Uh, so thank you for your service. In that, he's going to give you a crisp five dollar bill if you kick me in the shins next time you see me. So I don't know I'll double it. <laughs> I don't know if that's five dollars per shin. Or uh, um, probably worth it. So um, I guess I got that to look forward to. <laughs> so uh, we do thank you very much, Beth, for coming on. And, and uh, we know, again, a couple more uh, um, uh, positive uh, feedback, which is always great. Uh, we, ha we have the best uh, viewers in all of, of uh, sports podcast and, and live streaming. So uh that they oh geez fred stop I'm, I'm trying to be nice to you and you want me to get kicked in the shins um goes to show that i blame josh. physical violence is unexpected i didn't know and uh, there he is josh is ten dollars per shin now um so all right uh beth we i'm sure there's more vo volleyball that you want are eager to get back to plus you also have small children to uh uh, tend to so we really do thank you you you've been a blast always enlightening and uh again we'll we'll have it on when it's not the day of the last match of the of the season so or at least one that we win you know yeah yeah merry christmas beth thank you all right merry christmas thanks go big red all right that is uh, uh beth merrigan and again check out all of her her great uh writing uh, coordination.com where she covers uh, volleyball you know better than anybody so all right john 
Yes. Uh, you know, at this rate, at this rate, hmm? uh, we may be able to raise money for charity, kicking you in the shins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Um, all right. <clears throat> well, let's talk about uh, Nebraska football. Uh, we're, we're what? Supposed to have, we're supposed to have a basketball guest, uh, and I've been ghosted. Uh, oh, my goodness. I'll tell you what. Can, can I get permission to throw shade, John, on my own podcast, on my own show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we used to have a Nebraska ball podcast called uh, Bang Rings and Daggers. <laughs> we did. We did. Uh, and I, they, you know, they have lives and things like that, and it's tough to get all three of them in, in a couple different time zones together to record. So that went by the wayside. But we were going to have one of those founding uh, podcast members, Patrick Gerhardt, on the show to talk about Nebraska ball. We were going to touch on the Indiana loss last night, but mostly we were going to say that Nebraska's 1-0 against Creighton. And, uh, uh, but Patrick's not checking in. So let's just talk about some football. I think there's uh, some, some folks here in the comment section in the chat questions. tonight that, that want to talk a little bit about Nebraska football. Uh, and defensive coordinator was named. Uh, so that's addition. What is his name? What is his name? John. What? Seriously? You don't know? It blinked out. You know, it's the old man. I, 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 the World War II was awful. You know that kind of shit? Tony White. Tony White. I was looking up Tommy White or Tommy Shaw. That's not even close. My God. Okay. Tony White. Tony White. He comes to us from Syracuse where he had a, a top 30 defense nationally and uh, I think number 19 passing defense um, and and a lot of the a lot of the comments here uh, I, I, ha I didn't highlight them all but his strategy I guess or, or his, the, the way he's been structuring his defenses at Syracuse is a 3-3-5 now that conflicts slightly with what Matt Rule's been talking to recruits about and you can see that in it, it's in some, some Twitter posts and things like that where uh, they're they're talking about he's saying Nebraska is going to be running a four three. I think now, we have learned the error of our ways with the three four, and I know it's it was a bit of a hybrid three four, but I feel like in the Big Ten, you almost have to go four three, don't you? Well, I was going to say as a joke that you do know that Defensive Coordinators Association requires when you first become a defensive coordinator. You were stuck with a formation forever that you ran that year. <laughs> so he's only capable of running a three-three-five per defensive coordinator association rules from now on for the rest of his life. It's a terrible joke. I could have set it up better, but you know, if I did it, it as a YouTube like you don't short like unions, or John. an Instagram short, if I did that as an Instagram port short, people would take it serious and they'd all shit themselves. Anyway. Uh, what the hell did you ask me? Oh, 4-3. You know what I think? I think that we label these things so we know how to talk about them, those of us that don't do this stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, put it this way. The defensive, how you're going to defensively align and what you're going to do in your defense is going to change for Purdue versus what it is versus Minnesota versus Northwestern versus Ohio State. 
you know, against Purdue, a 3-3-5 type situation might be great. So it's kind of a misnomer that we're going to run this and we're going to run this. And, you know, that's where that's why the joke about this getting stuck in people's head, that it's some kind of formation that's static. And it, it really doesn't. And it, it's, it you know, it changes. Fluid, right? Well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, your opponents are different throughout the season. Phil, Phil uh, Spear makes a good point. Problem with four three is all the linemen the hardest position to fill. Uh, we have learned that. <laughs> well, we also you know there was nothing in that guy we fired. There was nothing in him that ever prioritized linemen. So, I you know, I think that's up to the people to go get the people. Oh sure, and I believe uh, <clears throat> Tony White has some recruiting recruitment coordinator experience as well uh, coming in. So. Uh, Brian says people worry too much about that three number. It's all about scheme and the gyms, Jimmys and Joes. Garrett Nelson uh, fits as a linebacker in a three-three-five and can be on the line in a four-front or at linebacker. Um, and and Dion says that he was watching some of White's uh, defense and uh, he had four and five guys on the line quite a bit. So um, I, you know what I, I think I like that approach. Where it's not, you know, a fixed three-four or four-three. You have to be able to make adjustments, and you have to be able to scheme, John. To your point, to your opponent, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and you have to have the depth and the players to kind of do that stuff. I mean, if you're gonna, if I, what's our goal? The goal is to be a championship team, right? Yes, so sir. you need to to be a championship team. You got to have guys across the board. You know, you can't just go, oh, we have shit tons of linebackers and safety, so we're going to run this defense. Your recruiting coordination and your, all of your stuff is aligned, so you are constantly making sure that your depth allocation is the same across every position group. That's what I would think. You know, if you're going to run a team that's going to win. Phil, with a, a little more, I think. Speculation and anything he says, I think Rule is looking ahead to when UCLA and USC join. Well, Tony White was a grad assistant. He started his career, I think, at UCLA. Let's look at it up. Uh, yes, I mean, he if did, you yes. want to say college, UCLA 2007 graduate assistant. Uh, he's 43 years old, six foot one, 250 pounds. Just, you know, not massive. Uh, Key West, he's from Key West, Florida. Did you want me to go into his likes and dislikes and turn ons and turn offs? Um, favorite <laughs> color, favorite food, and is he a beer or bourbon guy? Well, since he's at Nebraska, his favorite freaking colors better be scarlet and cream. And his favorite food better be runs, and he better like Bush, Bush Light. Light. <laughs> right. Son of a bitch knows what's good for him. <coughs> I feel like we should, uh, uh, in, in copycorn.com, by the way, where you can get that sweet, sweet jumpsuit that uh, John's wearing, uh, we should have like a, a, a shirt that's the Nebraska uh, fan starting pack, and it's like a picture of runs and a picture of bush light. Yeah, I agree. Bill, with an oh. interesting question, I, I have to address this. John, where are you at on pineapple on pizza? Did punny somebody put it in front of me and is it free? Well, there you go. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm not. I just. I am not picky about food anymore. 
If it's right there and I'm hungry, that's what I'm going to eat, and I'm not going to complain about it. I would take pineapple and pizza, however, and I would put a lot of red red pepper flakes on it. Real, or if I quick. had something, or if I had hot sauce available, that is a perfect pizza for hot sauce. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a shift folks on that. Uh, those of you in in the in the comments, just a quick yes or no, pineapple on pizza. <laughs> and while you answer that, I'm going to share this story because <laughs> we have a, uh, a pizza place, a locally owned pizza place here in my town. It's called Benny's Pizza Pub. Great beer, fantastic pizza. And Fred says, John Pizza Whore Johnston. <laughs> we got a new name for you. Uh, but uh, the first time I went there, I was really curious uh, about this one uh, type of pizza that they had. It's the pizza you can get by the slice. By the way, the slice is a quarter of the pizza. They call it the Hawaiian hog pizza. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's your traditional pizza crust with a barbecue sauce instead of you know like a, a red sauce. They do have cheese on it. They have pulled pork, bacon, sliced red onions, and thinly sliced jalapenos, and chunks of juicy pineapple. I was a no pineapple on pizza guy, and then I tried this. Now, I don't put pineapple on all pizza. That's ridiculous. But I, I, I don't miss the Hawaiian hog pizza when I go there. I, I always get the Hawaiian hog pizza. So if you're ever in Belleville, Illinois, folks, seriously, Phil, Phil's on board. Yeah. It, let's, let's be honest. The people who hate pineapple on pizza are just angry about fruits and vegetables anyway. <laughs> you know what they say? Uh, 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 wisdom or uh, knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting uh, or not putting tomato in the fruit salad or something like that so all right so a lot of people say no no uh pineapple on pizza and that's okay let's move on uh <laughs> let's talk about um you know, we we've got some oh fred that's not nice fred <laughs> uh we have um i, I gotta talk about this Wait, what do you gotta I, talk about Dion sanders yeah and and I between his press conference and his uh, address to address addressing his team, uh, what a what a combination of of arrogance. I mean, it's 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 classic primetime, right? Yeah. I mean, and, it is. And, and, I mean, I guess that's that's his. I don't call it shtick, but that's his, been his person. And I'm not. I don't dislike. Deion Sanders for for a, a minute there because that's what James said. He said, uh, "Did you guys watch the Deion press conference at Boulder? The thought that people wanted him to come to Lincoln is mind boggling." I was, I was like, "Well, let's give it a shot, right?" I, not not seriously, but it would really shake up some things. Man, I feel like we dodged a massive bullet with that because he's coming in. He's already uh, named his son as the starting quarterback. Um, he said he's going to compete. Is that, that, that I maybe I misinterpreted or, or misheard the quote? I I thought he was like he's going to be the starting quarterback QB one or something like that. Well, he uh, said so, that, and then he said he's going to compete. It, he walked it back. Okay. So you're kind of like, yeah, I don't. I mean, then what he told everybody, you might as well leave and get in the transfer portal. Right. Now. Well, yeah, that's a bold statement. It's a really stupid statement, is what it is. 
You don't even know these people yet, exactly. and you've told them to leave. So I think his problem is, is he going to, you know, he's all about, I'm going to, I can recruit, I'm going to recruit. Well, okay, good. It's time to show it at Colorado because good luck, buddy. You don't even have a budget. They don't even have money to pay you. I realize he doesn't need anybody, but and any money, but wow. Yeah, pretty James said that uh, Dion set the roster on fire and alienated the alienated the locker room on one day, uh, and wow, makes Frost look like a nice guy. <laughs> um, I I do think, and I, I was listening to uh, John and Todd's Monday Night Therapy, uh, probably Tuesday if I'm being honest, but yeah, I was listening to it, and the the quality of players he got at Jackson State. Well, he's going to be taking that quality of player. I mean, they, they were at a, playing at a lower level of competition, so he's going to yeah. be taking, you know, top-notch players, but he's going to be putting them up against top-notch players. Because yeah. Washington is, you know, not a – I mean, I don't think they were as strong this year, but, you know, USC, at least for the brief amount of time, they'll be in the same conference. It's, it's – you're, you're, I think there's going to be a real – Come to Jesus moment where where reality is going to smack him in the face and be like, oh, uh, maybe I should have come in with a little bit more humility than, than I yeah. did. But that's, I mean, again, he he is the he he's where he's at because of the personality he has. He and he's always had it. I'm not knocking the guy, um, but humility's never really been his style. Nope. So so we'll see what happens there. Jim Leonard's um, leaving Wisconsin. That's what I re- wanted to remember. I'm glad you did. Uh, real quick, before we change topics uh, off that, Fred asked, bottom line, do we beat Colorado next year? Dion hype train be damned. Uh, well, we know that Colorado's begging fans not to sell their tickets to Nebraska fans, which is a little hilarious. You um, know what? I, I'll, I'll just say, yeah, we beat Colorado because we still have a team. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they may not have been the greatest players that we've ever had in our careers, but we have a team that is, you know, largely, even though there's been some portal transfer guys, they've largely stayed. They've largely just stayed together. We don't hear about 50 players that are leaving or something. People freak out on the ones that do. But uh, largely our team is intact and maybe can be coached up going forward into next year. So, you know, Colorado, what are they even going to have for a team then? I mean, is he going to go back to him later and said, "Yeah, I said that as a joke." It's not something you say as a joke. That's, that's not something you, you joke about, no. And that's that's the thing too. Um, I he's not going to be able to flip that roster in one off season. You know, oh. like he's not going to get be able to get eighty guys or whatever the magic number is uh, in to Boulder to start things over from scratch. So he's going to have some of the guys who he just, you know. Uh, talk down to and maybe embarrassed a little. I don't know. Um, it, it, I, I would say it, you know, obviously, I mean, look, I've still got the, the damn list here for the 2022 season where I had Nebraska going 12 and 0. So I, I, it's a little early for season predictions, but I can almost guarantee that when we're sitting down before that first game of the, of the year, uh, Minnesota game, then I'll be like, yeah, no, I think we got a shot to run the table again. 
Yeah, and Colorado has like 20 scholarship players that have to go both ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, well, let's do a little bit uh, better job focusing on Nebraska, shall we? Um, Dan was, uh, during our volley- uh, volleyball conversation, Dan was uh, making sure that I had some good football comments to pin. Uh, and, and he said that uh, he hears we have some great portal guys coming in for visits. And he went on to say, uh, um, an edge rusher from Texas A&M, the number one rated uh, offensive line, uh, offensive tackle, and Jeff Sims, starting Georgia Tech quarterback, who's fast and throws really well. At this point, anybody who can help, right, John? Is that? I thought the Texas A&M Aggie dude was out I'm, or not I'm interested. Just, I'm just going by what Dan said. Don't. Well, he's probably he's probably you know I was out today doing stuff. You had the uh, neurological visit. I did. Yeah. How how, how are you feeling? Let, let's let's, t- let's. <laughs> well, the headaches are strong. And, and the CBD uh, uh, lozenges. The, the THC helps actually with that. I I will tell you you know you went in the age of e injections that they gave me have given me my life back. There's a secondary drug though it's called the Brovi that. I only took three times. I have like maybe a hundred pills in my basement worth five grand, and I took three of them that were samples, and I hated them because they turned me into a zombie. But the guy is telling me, he goes, "You could take these other drugs," and he named one of them. And right when he said the name, I had a shooting, massive pain in the front of my head, wow. and I screeched. <laughs> so he goes like, "Immobrek or some damn thing," and I screech at him, and he. Looks at it, and he just kind of sits there for a second, real quiet, and then he goes, so you've had a bad experience with that? <laughs> okay, and I'm telling this, it's not very good. Because, you know, I, oh, God, I am kind of out of it. <laughs> we, we need I, to get Beth back. No. <laughs> yeah, well, she was sharper than I am tonight, I can tell you that. It's all a good job. I mean, how, how long did I look at Sam McCune's thing, and it said 20 da- down by 6, and I took that as 20... That's terrible. It, it's, okay. Hey, John, John. What? It's all right. We all know you've been dead. Never been to <laughs> Europe. Uh, get the book on Amazon. Uh, so Phil says, uh, uh, maybe jokingly, not entirely sure, chain the offensive tackle to the statue outside the stadium until he signs. Um, I, I mean, maybe it'll work. Maybe it's illegal. I don't know. Um, can, can, can it be illegal if you're offering him a scholarship? You know, paying room and board and an opportunity to play in front of the greatest fans in college football. That can't be illegal, right? Yeah, and you know what else? He could get some jerky with it. Well, yeah, let's go ahead and do it right now, John. Pipeline jerky. <laughs> I've got the, uh, of course, it's upside down. I've got, I had, I had two of each. I'm down to one of each now, so I've got the uh, the peppercorn beef jerky, and I've got the honey barbecue pork jerky. I was surprised you were right on the money. It is it's jerky, but it's tender. It's not you know you're not chewing on it all day long. Um, Pipeline-jerky.com. Use the promo they- code Corn Nation and get 10% off your order of $25 or more. They have gift boxes up now on their website. Fantastic. Get one for John, everybody. 
And they it, also have T-shirts up on their website. So here, here's what I'll do. Here's the here's the special offer that I'm going to extend to our viewers and listeners. If you send send me an email, a tweet, whatever, you can you can DM me at the number five heart podcast on Twitter and say I want to send John a gift box of jerky. I will give you his address. <laughs> Okay, that'll be weird. <laughs> um, no, it, it, it'd be fun. Uh, so anyway, uh, no, you can't. It's not illegal to chain somebody to a statue as long as you're offering them, you know, some type of uh, recompense. So um, <laughs> that, that's a, and then Phil says, uh, "Good, actually, good observation. Good pull from Phil." Says Syracuse plays Minnesota in the bowl game. Uh, our opening game, of course, is Minnesota. So we'll see a sneak preview of Tony White's defense. Yeah, but that's a, keep in mind that's a defense against a team that runs forty-two times a game. It's going to run the same three three ISO plays over and over and over like forty-two times a game. Well, so, well that's fine. But, but I guess we'll do the, we'll see this. Yeah, okay. See that? See that? <laughs> I guess we'll get a sneak preview of his defense against Minnesota next season. Probably the same defense against Iowa and Wisconsin. What are you What are you doing? I'm I'm making sure you you draw the line from A to B on where we were going with that comment. <laughs> yeah, I I am slow. Um, I had prepared myself mentally for basketball with with Patrick. That's not. My I'm going to give I, him I hell. Him three messages that have gone. Uh, oh yeah, you know what? We don't know what happened. It could have been an emergency situation. We just hope everybody's okay, and we can always get Patrick on the show another time. Is that fair? Yes. All right. Fred wants to know that if he buys a uh, jerky, uh, will Bryce Benhart accidentally trip a pass rusher just once next season? Probably not. <laughs> well, can wow. we talk? Can we talk about how the one holdover from the previous coaching staff is the one coach that everybody wanted to get rid of by, uh, like, the Oklahoma game? Right. Yeah, I don't. <sighs> I did a video on this. You know, I, I tried to, I, I guess you kind of try to look at it and go, what's the positives on that? Because those are what I think of, want to think of, because, I mean, it's not like we get a choice. We don't get to, like, do a Twitter poll and go, no, hire somebody else. You know, I mean, this is going to be our guy. Now, out of fairness, out of fairness to Donovan Rayola, I mean, he comes to Nebraska. It's the biggest shit show of college, of coaching in his entire career. I mean, I wouldn't want to be judged on that. I'd be forever looking at those people and going, hey, fuck faces, you stuck me into hell, and you lied to me when I came in, and then you let this fuck run stuff into the ground, and you expected me to be a part of it, and then you just shipped me out the back. You know, if I was him in that situation, I'd be really pissed off, and I'd be, you know... But so I guess what I'm saying is uh, give peace a chance. You know, we're, we're going to just see what he can do. I don't think he's recruited much, but maybe else somebody else is going to make up for that. <sighs> yeah, he was the one guy everybody expected to leave or wanted to leave. So When we talk about uh, Tony White, uh, Brent Axe, uh, is, who covers... Uh, Syracuse football had tweeted, right. well, that one stings for SU. White made a huge difference for the Q's football defense in the past few years. Some were hoping he'd be the next head coach here. Big, big hire for Matt Rule. So uh, this is not a guy, I mean, there's no, 
I think we talked about this earlier. There's no previous association between the two. This was which I, I'm fine with. I mean, we. You know, we wait, just, wait, 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 wait. I don't think that's true. Wait, I. You know what? Remember where I said uh, this uh, new guy started his career? UCLA. In what year? I don't know. 2007, I think I said. And if we go back. Uh, Matt Rule was at UCLA through 2001. 2007, he was the Temple at back at Temple. So somewhere they crossed paths. Maybe they knew a fellow UCLA coaches or something like that. But it seems to me that UCLA, they both were at least UCLA. Okay. Right. But still. Other than not, that, I mean, yeah. It, it, it's not bringing his best man along. Right. You know, and, and all of his buddies. That's the point right. I'm trying to make. It's it's yeah. It's... This, I feel like this is this is a coaching staff. You say what you want about Rayola, uh, you know this is a coaching staff that is kind of sort of being built on merit, not on drinking buddy. It kind of seems like that, doesn't it? And I'm okay with that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's an understatement. I'm okay with having good, competent assistant coaches around. <laughs> I agree with that. Okay. Uh, well. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about the fact that uh, uh, Jim Leonard's, you know, because I saw that name pop up in, in chat earlier during during uh, our visit with Beth. There was, I don't think, ever an offer extended to Jim Leonard from Nebraska. I thought for a moment that he they said he was going to be Luke Luke Fickle's uh, defensive coordinator and. I guess maybe you're right. Maybe there never was an offer. But he he also said I'm leaving. So yeah. I, I I don't think it was you know there's not an offer for me. I think it was just I'm leaving. But so. he wasn't. He's not leaving the area. From my understanding. I don't know. I don't, so. I... Well, let's talk about. Uh, I mean, we talked about some potential players coming in. We found out earlier today. Uh, that Jacques Yant is in the transfer portal, and yes. I, I feel I, I'm mixed on this. I feel he was underutilized at times. I mean, we all know, you know, he came in as a freshman, uh, played in the spring game, had a great showing, uh, went home, put on some weight, didn't come back really football ready, um, but I, I do feel like that was a lot of untapped potential. And I think wherever he ends up, <clears throat> I, I, I think he's going to do well, you know. Um, and that's good for him, bad for us, <laughs> you know. I, I talked to him for a few minutes on the on the field at a spring game a while back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to not have these moments anymore. Anyway, uh, seemed like a nice kid, but I don't mean to be rude, but I'll never forgive him for just diving on the ground at Minnesota three inches away from the goal line. Oh. I mean, I, I know he had some a couple big runs in games, but that is the play that I will remember, I guess, when he, he just, instead of keeping upright, he either tripped. I don't think he tripped, but, you know, we failed to score. Of course, we could probably hold these moments against all these eyes, all these guys forever. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, Phil... Phil's all right with the ant leaving, says he doesn't fit here. Um, I want to jump back here because Dion made a good um, comment. 
about a little help for Rayola, saying that now we have three really offensive line coaches because both Matt Rule and Satterfield have experience at the uh, offensive line position as well. So, um, you know, I mean, talk about giving Rayola the opportunity to learn under some, you know, more experienced voices and minds. Uh, Owen, jumping back, I, I don't mind going back and forth. Uh, Owen says, Yant hurts, but do you think that's the drawback for having eight running backs? It's hard to develop those players. Yes. It's definitely hard to give many of them any meaningful time, you know what I mean? Um, and, and as soon as Anthony Grant kind of emerged as the front runner, you know, yeah. you, you, you can't not feed the hot hand, you know? I mean, you, you can, just like in basketball, if you've got a, a shooter that is uh, feeling it, You've got to feed him until that that fire goes away. Anthony Grant was the guy, yeah. And 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 then we ran into some better teams, and and I mean he didn't have as much success, but nobody did. You know, you look at our, our running uh, numbers, um, our rushing you know yard numbers, whatnot. The last latter half of the season or the last four games, they were not good. You know, we're talking about what, 45, 60 yards, something like that, a game, that's, nope, nobody's going to see, I, I still would have liked to have seen more Ramir Johnson. Um, yeah, well, okay, the thing about having eight running backs is this, uh, you, I think we had eight probably really good running backs, uh, you know, good backs that could start for a lot of teams in Division One, but we didn't have freaking eight offensive linemen, and that goes back to the shitty job that we did for recruiting and trying to keep the the positions or evaluations good across all the position groups. You know, we kept getting running back, running back, running back. Why? Well, one of them will work. I mean, okay, I probably should move on from the past, huh? Phil says we must keep A.J. Allen. I know we've talked about that before. I know you and Todd yeah. have talked about that. Uh, and, yeah, we all definitely hope that Ramirez gets more involved uh, in, in the near future. And, and Dion says, you know, not, not only do we have uh, several coaches with offensive line coaching experience, but we have a few coaches. We mentioned this before. Uh, Tony White is, is a recruiting coordinator, has recruiting coordinator experience as well. So um, that's good. I mean, we talk about the, the young man that we just got a commitment from the the track star out of Texas, right? I mean, he runs, you know, he's one of the fastest kids. Uh, and, you know, that that plays into the Matt Rule mindset of, of speed, 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 speed. We, if you got a kid who, I, maybe I'm oversimplifying things, and, and I apologize if somebody thinks I am, but if you got a kid who's fast enough and athletic enough, you can find a spot for him, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and so, excited for uh, you know. Look, I'm, I'm excited for any any kid who wants to you know any, any young man, I guess, who who wants to uh, come to Nebraska. I I, I want to say more the merrier, but we we found out that out in the old regime that that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's you know, it, this is. I think Matt Rule and company now, you know that now that he's uh, rounded out his staff, I believe it's them putting together a a um, you know they're, they're I'm sure they're still talking with current you know Huskers and saying 
this is what we're planning. Either you fit this or you don't, or we think you fit this. Do you want to be a part of it type of thing? Uh, I, it's going to be, we got eight months. Yeah, we do. <laughs> it's going to be another long off season. John, are you ready for another long off season? Well, I'm just going to fill it with basketball and baseball. Okay. What are you going to do in June? I'm going to... What do you want from me? It's June. God, this is a long ways away. (laughs) I'm sorry, John. It's all my fault, really, it is. Um, Any, any, I mean, questions, you know, question comments here right now about uh, Yant and, and just maybe... The, the mental side of things. I think he had, at one point, had all the attributes uh, physically, but maybe there are a few uh, mental mental roadblocks. Um, so, we'll see. Um, you know, right now, again, we've still got, to best of my knowledge, Anthony Grant, Ramir Johnson, A.J. Allen, uh, Gabe Irvin. Emmett Johnson, was it? Kid from Emmett Minnesota. Johnson. Um, I mean, there, there, there will be more. I mean, there are more, and we'll, we'll just, we'll just have to see. Um, John, have you watched any good movies lately? <laughs> you know what I was gonna do? I was gonna do uh, something like coming up, uh, like Monday with Todd and I, asking people that same question. And I, I'd say, you know, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front is one of the best movies I've seen in, I think, in a long time. But it's, the remake, it's right? not, well, it's, I mean, if you consider a remake from 1930, I mean, it's based off probably the biggest anti-war book of all time, along with Johnny Got His Gun, Uh it's it's I mean it's hard to watch. It's not going to be a feel good story. I'll tell you that. But it's it's very well done. I watched two movies this past week. One is available on Hulu, and the other is uh, on Netflix. One's a little. I mean, it's not old. It's you know eight or ten years old. And then the other one's just from this year. I watched The Judge, which is Robert Downey Jr. and uh, oh what the. <laughs> I'm infecting you. I, I'm, I'm having a, a John moment. I need some prepping. <laughs> uh, gosh dang it, I can... Oh. Tommy Shaw. Robert Duvall. Oh, well, that's not the same. They're not the same Tommy Shaw it's and Robert Duvall. Uh, it's, a, it's a good movie. It's it's a, a little um, kind of like small town law you know, movie. It's, it's good, intense, and emotional at times. And the other one I watched was just fun. was Bullet Train. It's on Netflix now. The movie that came out earlier is here starring Brad Pitt, among others. Um, bloody, fun, action, uh, not Judge Fudge. That's How I Met Your Mother, Owen. Don't think I don't know that. Bullet Train. Bullet Train. It's it dumb action. A... Hmm? Bullet Train and The Judge. Yep. Okay. A couple different ones. Uh, different different uh, ends of the... Movie spectrum there, but uh, um, what else we got to talk about, John? It's been almost an hour and a half. It is. It's, yeah. What happened with Nebraska ball last night? Well, Sam Greasel didn't play. That that'll do it. 
that's really what it comes down to. I think that, you know, he's the player that Fred Hoiberger has been missing. And what they, that game started out like, I don't know, 25 to seven or something like that with us in a terrible shooting hole. And it, you know, and it took us a while. I think to, to the Nebraska's testament, excuse me, they never really fell apart. They never, I don't think they lost their confidence. I think it was clear that, you know, Indiana was all around better than we were. But I guess I'm saying I, you know, I expected them without Sam Greasel, quite frankly. I thought uh, they'd get beat by 35 or 40 because that's the kind of shit that happens when you play at some of these Big Ten venues. And, you know, they they didn't do horrible. In fact, they, you know, made a surge in the second half. And how do you, Derek Walker's, did, but Sam Greasel, Derek Walker, they stay healthy. And we can, this team can win some games. I mean, we'll just see what happens. Number four, Purdue coming in Sunday. So that's, you know, that's going to be huge. Hopefully Sam Griesel is okay before this game. So Brian says that uh, Fred needs to find another Griesel next year to replace the the one he's got. Uh, You mentioned Derek Walker, who uh, really helped elevate Nebraska's uh, game, uh, the, you know, prior to the loss to Indiana, but I mean, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're one and zero against Creighton. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that felt that felt, not only that, but that was what number seven Creighton. Yeah, past ten. And Sunday Creighton we get number pitches. four Purdue at home, so we'll see so, what happens. A uh, nice signature win for Fred uh, to pick that one up. Yep, uh, Dion, to answer your question. Uh, barring something unforeseen, Fred will be here next year because he uh, he got a particular monkey off his back. You continue to build on that, you win a game in March, and they'll put a statue out front. <laughs> I just I think he'll I just think Fred Hoiberg is a good coach. I think you know he tried some of his other stuff, and now he's completely 180 degrees switched gears and. You know, it's not probably going to be the greatest thing ever, but maybe if he keeps doing this and keep, keep, you know, get one or two big guys a year or something, you know, we could at least win some games. That's like get to 500 in the conference, get to the NCAA tournament, get some opportunities to, you know, actually win that game. And I, I think Fred Hoiberg will be here next year just because he's well, going to win enough games and be good enough. How important is it, though, that, mentality uh, where you adjust your game plan to the personnel that you have rather than trying to shoehorn them, you know, shoehorn your uh, game plan into players that don't necessarily fit it, which is what we've seen from other Nebraska coaches in the recent memory. Yeah. I mean, I guess the team, they all play together last year. It looked like they were trying to force so much and then, you know, stuff and fall apart. And then we moved to hero ball. Uh, This team, even without Sam Griesel, I think that's the thing about the Indiana game. Once you watch them, I mean, they missed him a lot because he could provide some scoring. But you also, that's the important part about the team not coming apart, is that even without their guy that was the leader on the floor all the time, they still were managed to run the offense. They still managed to score points against Indiana. You know, yeah, they lost, but you're, you know, they still, I think, played good basketball and they played disciplined basketball. They just weren't, you know, they weren't as good, and the shots didn't fall in the beginning of the game. 
I think going back to that hero ball, I mean, that's what happens when you have a, uh, a second round draft pick, you know, on your team. Uh, like like we had with Bryce McGowan's last year, in in an unfamiliar territory that Nebraska was in, if you look at a Kentucky or a North Carolina or something like that, where their roster stacked with draft picks, hero ball, everybody can be a hero, you know. But when you're relying on one guy, and then and we saw, what was it, uh, the right at the end of the season, right? Didn't he get hurt last year? Bryce, or, yeah, yeah. So then you don't have a hero for hero ball, and. Having the more complete, more well-rounded team, I think, is always, always, you know, more beneficial. So, uh, Aaron, another one of our great contributors at Coronation, uh, says that women's basketball had a dominant week as well. Um, wrestling competed well over the weekend. No Todd here or a, a Dylan to uh, talk about that. I, I've talked with Dylan. I tried getting Dylan to uh, uh, Dylan and Todd to do a wrestling specific podcast uh for coronation and that dylan doesn't have the time but that no, doesn't he mean doesn't. he won't he won't pop in uh, from time to right. time i think he will we'll have more of these uh you know guest uh stars uh, so to speak on the show as we go uh further along the uh postseason we'll get guys like uh, uh brian on to you know maybe break down some some offense and defense from these new coaches Hoss, I anticipate, will come back eventually, but he did just get a new job. Uh, oh. Got hired on at a, a big, reputable place in Omaha that I'm probably not at liberty to say. Uh, so he's trying to settle into his new normal. Um, but, uh, John, we've gone an hour and a half. Yeah, we have. And you're tired and old. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and I'm, I'm <laughs> tired and not quite as old. Um, but we... Uh, we just appreciate everybody uh, for joining us. Um, the volleyball was was volleyball chat was great. I mean, yeah, I didn't anticipate it go forty five minutes, but uh, uh, Beth bringing the knowledge. Uh, yeah, Owen, uh, Doctor Offense, that's Hoss. Um, I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but uh, uh, he had to take some time off because uh, a buddy of his. Uh, got hurt in a work rela- work related accident and unfortunately didn't uh, survive. Uh, so he was down for that. Um, it's not really my story to tell, but uh, since you asked, and like I said, now he's got the new job. Uh, so um, we hope that he comes back. Uh, I think he will eventually after he kind of settles in. So that that's where uh, Doctor Offense has been. So um, that I think John, let, let's call it a show. That's good. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's late in the world. Uh, we appreciate everybody for joining us uh, again. Uh, we, we went uh, off script a little bit and, and, you know, didn't talk football for, you know, the, the first half of the show. But, again, Beth was a terrific guest. Uh, and and uh, we'll do more volleyball. We'll do more basketball wrestling. We'll do more guests as we go uh, through the off season. Um and uh, uh, we got to get women's basketball in here. We got to get Jill to talk women's basketball in here too, because uh, Aaron was right. They're they're playing some uh, top notch uh, level basketball right now. So uh, we appreciate that that you all enjoyed uh, the guests that we had uh, tonight, and we'll keep doing it. But uh, John and I will always be here. John will at least always be here, and I'll be here as my work schedule allows. But uh, 
Uh, we appreciate all of you. Like, like we've said numerous times, uh, whether there's uh, two or three of us, you're always uh, the the other leg of the table that, that helps make this show what it is. So thank everybody for uh, uh, watching and uh, uh, being a part of the show and, and all of your contributions. So for John Dam Johnston, for Beth Merrigan, who was uh, here to talk volleyball with us again earlier, I'm Greg Mahochko. This is the Five Heart Podcast, where we remind you each and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. John? Go be a grad. And <sighs> win whatever sporting contest we're due to win next. Purdue. Purdue on Sunday. Purdue, Purdue. yeah, that'd be good. That would be a huge win. We'll take it. Yeah. Two, two in-state wins over two top ten teams. Yeah. That's what it would be. See you, folks.